Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello and welcome back to the latest Forza Italian Football Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Clancy. I'm back and... The two guys who never left are Kev Pogzelski and Vito Doria. Vito, I'll start with you. How are you? Uh, look, a bit of uh, mixed emotions, especially after, um, well, this morning's result for me or Monday night for you guys in Europe. So, But I'm still glad to be on the, on the pod you know, to analyse the latest results. So let's get cracking. Yeah, let's do exactly that. But first, the most pressing question. Kev, did you miss me? Uh, of course, I saw our tweet and it said that you'd gone. So for a moment, I thought you'd been uh, dethroned, uh, whatever else we want to call it. I saw that and I thought I had died because it was a bit extreme, wasn't it? I didn't want to go so drastic as died, but a tear not, was shed. I've not died. I was quite close to it, it, it felt. It did at points in the last week feel like I wasn't going to emerge back from from the edge, but... Here I am, and I'm being given life by looking at your your face and half of your chest right now. As well. so <laughs> that's a treat for anyone who's watching on YouTube. But anyway, we are here to talk about Italian football. Let's start. Do you want to just start and get it over with, with the most recent game that took place this weekend? I say weekend, it was Monday evening. Sampdoria played Napoli. They lost 4-2. Um, and Vito, it was... No, Kev, I'll go with you first. It was quite a good game. Yeah, it was a really good game. It was arguably the most uh, entertaining and even game of the weekend. Um, there was a little bit of bite. You know, maybe they're, they're starting to get more of that from Gattuso, uh, Napoli. But uh, six goals, a little bit of our controversy, probably a contender for uh, certainly strike of the month, if not one of the goals of the season from Quagliarella. And, uh, and yeah, it was uh, it was really entertaining to sit down to on a Monday evening. 
Kev, you getting nervous? Because I think you're absolutely nuts to think that Fabio Quagliarella is not going to score 15 goals this year. He's on six. He's going to get another nine easily. I, we, yeah, but then he goes down like he did today for the penalty and took 15 minutes to recover. He could be out for he could be out for two months at his age. It takes a bit older to recover these days when you're. It, uh, it doesn't matter if Quagliarella misses from now until April. He'll come back and score 10 goals in the last two weeks of the season. Not a problem. Not a problem. He gets better with age. You need to remember that. But can we, can we speak about his goal? Because to be fair, Vito, I'll bring you in on this. He has a knack for scoring quite special goals and just shrugging them off as if it's everyday business. But this goal today was a, another fine volley, and it's not even in his top 25 strikes. By saying that, he gets to show how much of a repertoire he has, but also what a great collection of spectacular goals that he has produced throughout his career. And But this goal specifically, uh, what makes it so unique is that, not unique, but interesting to see is that Ekdal provided the long ball for midfield. And if you look at where Quayarella is, he sort of moves backwards to shrug off his marker. So he moves away from the box more or less around the D, on the semicircle. And then he just turns around on his right foot and puts it into the far bottom corner. And it was just uh, excellent anticipation on his part. But once again, fabulous technique from him. And uh, for a player like him, it just makes it look so normal. It's like... We seem to expect this from him, and uh, when he when he does it, we can just look in awe and be inspired by what he does because he's just turned thirty seven, and uh, it goes to show that, like we've said a few times, you know, he is one of those players that has got better with age. It, it was unbelievable the way he does it as well. He just kind of shrugs it off as if it's a training exercise, or he's in the the garden with his kids. It's like, oh, just, just get in. Come on, let's get on with this. I've scored another great goal. We know that this happens. But Kev, Napoli got a win. And, I mean, they've been quite few and far between for them this season. And it's a big win. To score four goals at Sampdoria, it's not easily done. It was today with some of the Samp defending. <laughs> particularly the last uh, rush out from um, the goalkeeper to allow Mertens a free shot at goal. But um, that's two and two for Napoli. And, you know, a, a big win last week uh, against Juve. And I think that comes on the back of the Coppa Italia. So maybe they're finally starting to, um, I was going to say click. I don't think Catuso's done anything revolutionary with, like, the, the team. But, uh, yeah, they're sort of coming into form right at the, Right stage of the season to have a little bit of a push on the European places because they sort of float around mid-table, aren't they? Yeah, well, they are 10th now, but they're on 30 points. Verona are on 30 points. Milan are on 32. Parma are on 32. And Cagliari in 6th are on 32. So that little pocket from Bologna in 11th up to Cagliari in 6th, there's only two points separating them. So they're very much in the European chase now. And they're still in Europe. You know, I think that uh, could be where they're going to be um, making most of their efforts. But, uh, yeah, it'll be still something to sort of look uh, look forward to for the Napoli fans. Yeah, slow and steady, you would hope, for Gattuso there. Things might be taking taking some sort of shape. Vito, I saw you on Twitter during the first half of this game saying that 
if if Samp don't get a result out of this, there's going to be um, some sort of frustration on your part. What was that all about? What's it all about? It's about Gaston Ramirez being an imbecile and trying to chip from a couple of meters. What's going on there? The game was in the balance. He could have made a 2-2. I know he's not a right footer, but a bit of common sense and just bang the ball in the net, Gaston. Come on. Oh, it's unbelievable. I just, uh, I thought Manil uh, Grabiadin was going to score, but his shot got blocked. And then Ramirez, um, yeah, just, I thought a simple tapping would have sufficed, but he tried to be cute, chipped it onto the post, and we've seen what's happened later with the game. But in those circumstances, you just got to, you just got to keep it simple and make sure the ball gets in. Don't try to be fancy. Don't be cute. And especially not from two metres. I wanted to ask you, because Gianluca Caprari has now rocked up at Parma. That's going to be someone I could see Sampdoria missing for the rest of the season. To an extent. Uh, don't get me wrong. Caprari, he's one of those footballers that's excellent on his day. And he too has scored some lovely goals for Sampdoria. Uh, unfortunately... I think he's had consistency issues, whether it's due to not having a defined role at Sump or just the way games go. I don't think he's able to really establish himself. But there have been games where he has popped up late and scored some either fine goals or decisive goals. Uh, we'll probably touch upon this with the Coyote Parma game, but I think in the long run, a team like Parma, and they are much higher above the table than some. I think with their particular circumstances, I think Caprari might be more in place at Ducali, to be honest. But the forwards some do have now, without Quayarella, and also if uh, something happened to Gabbiadini, I think uh, Ranieri's issues up front would look a lot worse. Up to the top of Serie A, no surprise, it's Juventus on 54 points with a three-point lead over Inter. Kev, Cristiano Ronaldo scored twice from the penalty spot in a 3-0 win over Fiorentina. Uh, Mathis De Ligt scored in stoppage time for the third. And Juventus just keep doing what Juventus do every single year. Yeah, and I think um, moving just slightly away from Juventus, I don't think Fiorentina can feel uh, too badly about the defeat. The margin was probably higher than it should be. And they had some let's say, questionable penalties. And then, you know, a goal right at the end from De Ligt. But they just they just do what they're doing. And my only question, you know, by predicting into it at the start of the season is whether when the uh, Champions League comes around in a couple of weeks' time, maybe they might have a, another slip. So I think it's crucial that Lazio and Inter just remain in touch and distance until the uh, European fixtures kick in. But Juve have been there, done it before, right? They've been able to negotiate this while running to the, the final of the Champions League before. They saw off Napoli, despite Napoli getting 91 points. Um, and I don't think that was the same season they got to the Champions League final. But, I mean, they know how to manage these things. They've got the squad to do it. So it's just going to be the same thing again, isn't it? Well, it was Allegri last time. You know, you've got Sarri this time. You've arguably got... I'd suggest the defence is worse than it was when Juve reached those Champions League finals. Um, so, you know, there there are slight changes and those uh, 
even slightest uh, differences can can sometimes make uh, make it a little bit more interesting. Hopefully this year. You would hope so. I don't know. I'm just maybe I've been beaten. The the optimism has been beaten out of me by this Juve machine in the last few years. But I don't know. Uh, Vito Cristiano Ronaldo. He's now got 50 goals in 70 games. We, we criticise him, but it's not a bad record, that, is it? No, it's still statistically impressive. And he's going to turn 35 this month. So, you know, to still be scoring at a reasonably prolific rate is still quite impressive for someone his age. As we've said a few times... Uh, I think the bar's just set so high with Ronaldo. And then there's also this expectation that he was brought in specifically to bring in Juve's third European Cup slash Champions League. So I think we're probably waiting in anticipation if he finally delivers for Juve in Europe. That being said, what he's done in Serie A, you can say it's expected to extent, but he's putting the ball in the back of the net and that's what... He's meant to be doing, that's what he's paid for, and he's doing it. So I don't think uh, he should be discredited too much for doing what's pretty much expected of him. Kev, he's got 19 goals in Serie A this season. I-, I think that's about what he finished on last season. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's doing a lot better for you this year. Did it just take him a year to kind of find his feet that little bit before bursting on this season, or... Am I being quite kind? He finished with 21 goals last season, sorry. So he's too shy of it. I mean, it's not not a big difference. But Kev, what do you think about Cristiano this year? I think he did start quite slowly last year. I think there's also an element with sort of the name that he came with. Well, he's always going to come with when he came into the league last year. That uh, And again, playing for Juve, players raised their game. Um, coaches that maybe hadn't played against him directly might have doubled up on him last year, made uh, more um, detailed plans, if you like, to try and stop him. Not that you've managed to stop him if he's hit 21 last year. But, uh, but yeah, he just seems to have a little bit extra this season than what he did last. Fiorentina, then, I mean, they weren't too bad, were they? Two penalties and a last-minute goal that beat them at Juve, they'll take that. And they have shown signs of progress in recent weeks as well under Beppe Iacchini, Vito. There's there's something there in this squad that we, we never saw under Vincenzo Montella, but there is some signs of positivity for them. I think there are those signs. And what's really improved under Fiorentina, I mean, under Iacchini, despite conceding three against Juve, is that they have improved defensively. Uh, it might not be the most exciting football to watch that we've seen from La Viola, but at this moment, it should be about being effective and just getting the results. Uh, we can debate about the penalties all we want, but uh, in reality, the other goal came from uh, frame a corner, and uh, I think these days, uh, a lot of teams are probably going to have a lot of trouble trying to break down the Fiorentina defence, even if certain individuals, like Petzelli in particular, are going to struggle. Um, they're going to be compact in shape. They're going to pack the midfield as well. And where they probably need to improve the most is what sort of a threat they can be on the counter-attack. Because I think the weapons are there, but it's up to Yakini to utilise them properly. 
And in the first half in particular, I thought they had quite a few good chances on the counter-attack, but uh, Wojciech Szczesny made some fantastic saves. And uh, if he was back in his Arsenal form, I think uh, the Viola probably would have got a goal or two. Yeah, seeing the um, the signings they made as well with Duncan coming in from Sassuolo, Igor coming in from Spal, I think they did okay quite quietly on deadline day. So, I don't know, maybe there's a future at the Artemio Franchi. It's going to be interesting to keep an eye on them. They've got Atalanta this weekend, so you know they'll get three points there. And then onwards and upwards for them too. A lot of positivity to start the pod this week. Uh, go across to Udine where Inter... They ground, grinded or ground out. I don't know what the correct pass form of that verb is right now, to be honest. But Inter beat Udinese 2-0. It didn't look like they were always going to. Kev, I'm a little bit in love with Romelu Lukaku. Yeah, he's doing exactly what, what Inter wanted him to do. You know, that's exactly what you want in a game where, as you suggested, Inter looked like they were going to drop points or at least going to make extremely hard work of it. And he sort of pops up with that finish, almost using the defender that was marking him to keep the, the ball out of the goalkeeper's sight until the last minute that he sort of just drilled it low um, to his right. And then stuck the penalty away to make sure that the last few minutes weren't um, uncomfortable for him. So what more do you want from um, your main striker? Absolutely nothing, to be honest with you. And when that ball fell at his feet, you just knew he was going to score it as well because he's in that sort of form for Inter this season. They're going to be without Lautaro Martinez for the derby next week through suspension. And I just, with Lukaku in this kind of form, you just think, well, what's the problem? Lukaku will do it all on his own because he's, I don't know, he's got, he's so powerful when he runs as well. And I know everybody knows this, but it's still worth saying. Lukaku has been, a really, really fine striker since joining Inter. And I think a lot of that can be put down to Antonio Conte, Vito, which is why their signings are quite interesting. Ashley Young's in, Victor Moses is in. They're not exactly astonishing players. Kev kind of said his piece on Ashley Young the last time I was on here, but Conte will get a tune out of them. He'll just do it, won't he? Well, that's what it's looking like so far because... These new arrivals from the Premier League, they probably were among the better performers against Udinese. Uh, probably the one letdown in particular was uh, Christian Eriksen. I thought, despite a few chances, he was probably rather ineffective in the Trequatista role. Uh, Moses and Young in particular, I think uh, those two, they've really provided some threat on the wings. They've injected some extra energy and pace. And I think they're also the kind of players that Conte wants in his team anyway. So players like them, they're going to thrive under Conte's uh, methods and philosophy. Absolutely. Well, we've seen... I I find it strange because he was talking about Ashley Young afterwards, saying, oh, Young's a player I've known very well. And I was thinking, well, you never coached him. But obviously, Young is someone who left an impression on Conte when they... They came up against one another in the Premier League, maybe. Who knows? Obviously, Moses and him had a very good relationship when they were together at Stamford Bridge. Kev, we're looking at this, and Inter have brought in their players. Christian Eriksen, Conte himself, said that he's been kind of forced into things a little bit quicker than he'd like. But Eriksen's in now, 
Uh, we did speak about him before, but are you as confident that he is going to be the big difference now that you've seen him play in Inter for, what, on two occasions? I think it's a little hard to judge on the performance that he's had so far. I do think he'll still make a, a huge difference when he, once he finds his rhythm. Obviously, part of his game is finding those passes for the attacking players and there's an element of having to learn um, you know, when they make their runs, where they prefer the balls in to. So I think there'll be a little bit of that in the coming coming weeks. But uh, he could have an important role to play against Milan. Um, and those are the sort of games that even if you have one come in off of your shin or something, it, you know, it, it will curry favour with the fans and really prove that catalyst to become a, a crowd favourite or a really important player for the team. Do you think he's at risk of kind of falling into the, the Isco trap at Real Madrid and Zidane in that his position doesn't really exist in Antonio Conte's setup? Because Conte is very much, he's, he plays what he plays. He's got his two strikers, he's got his three in midfield, and then he's got his five. Eriksson's not in any of those lines, naturally. So he's going to have to do a lot of changing to slot into that midfield three. And has he ever shown himself capable of fulfilling the role he's now being asked to do? I think um, you're not giving him as much credit for working in a, a Tottenham side under Mauricio Pochettini, which was sort of very high press and high energy. And I think that's what Conte values almost as much as anything else. So um, I, don't, I, I don't expect him to have a problem because I think he will have the uh, aptitude to to convert himself into a into a Conte setup wherever he sees him fit. It's just a my one concern is that it's almost as if he not that he didn't want to lose Tottenham, but he was he was happy to go anywhere. And it would just be interesting to see if if Inter is the home he truly wanted. Mm. Yeah, you could see him kind of kicking up a fuss maybe in a year from now if if Real Madrid are looking for that type of player. But it was his departure that changed things, or, or rather, Vito, it was Marcelo Brozovic coming on that changed things. I thought he was superb when he came on. Actually, he made a big difference when he came on. The midfield sent out more balance. Uh, they were moving the ball a lot quicker, too. And uh, he had an involvement in the first goal. Uh, it was uh, his pass in midfield that found Nicolo Barella. And then Barella found Lukaku to score the opening goal of the game. I also believe that his presence probably freed Barella up a bit more because Barella is not really a deep-lying playmaker. It's better for him to really run around the ground and then be able to pick passes that way or add some drive coming from midfield. So uh, Brozovic, I think, uh, is one of the more complete midfielders in the squad, but it does add something because he'll he'll protect the defence, but he'll also be able to pass the ball around. And it's not like he'll always be going vertically or diagonally. He'll he'll always find the right option, or most of the time he'll find what is the most convenient to passing target. So, yeah, once he's back to full fitness, I think Conte will probably try and start him again and make sure that he features more in the play because also when Alexis Sanchez came on for the young kid, uh, Esposito, I think that made a difference too. But Brozovic, uh, I think, added that important midfield balance. 
just two points behind Inter then in third place, although they do have a game in hand, or Lazio. Kev, Lazio beat Spal 5-1, Immobile scored again, he's on 25 for the season from 21 games. Phenomenal. Is there anything more that we can actually say about them? No, they, you know, it's, it was, it's a bit of a shame, really, they drew against Roma last week. Because um, they, they just didn't, I say they didn't show up. I think you've got to give Roma some credit. But if we're going to say anything about this this game, which was kind of inevitably going to be a Lazio win, it's that second uh, Immobile goal, which just the audacity to sort of take Barisha to the edge of the box and then sort of check inside, then check back out and then to to go for goal. I don't think he was crossing. I think he was going for goal. And as the ball hits the net, there's one angle of the replay where you just see Casido uh, just smiling to himself, you know, almost expecting that to happen. You know, almost everything he touches at the moment is just turning to gold. It must be one of those though, right? You know, when you see professionals at such a level that everything they do is exactly what they wanted to do. And a mobile is just like that. It just, it must be a great time to be playing with them. You give them the ball, you think, I, Chiro will score. Ten minutes to go, we're struggling. Chiro will probably score. And more often than not, he does. Let's move on. Atalanta are now fourth after Roma's loss. Atalanta could only draw with Genoa in what is the most Atalanta of performances and slip-ups. But they are now fourth. They drew 2-2. Um, two points dropped, though, Vito. Absolutely, especially against this Genoa side that's still in the relegation zone. So you, you kind of wonder, especially with the last two results, uh, couldn't they have saved the 7-0 for this one? But that being said, <laughs> Perin did have a quite incredible game for the Grifone, and uh, probably if he slipped up, it would have been another routine Atalanta win. That being, Another thing too is that you do think that after two, two and a half time, you'd think Atalanta would usually just roll in with the goals. So it was a bit of an anomaly in this sense. Usually after a high-scoring first half, you'd think second half more action. And the way Atalanta have been playing, you'd think they would be able to just uh, score freely, but wasn't to be this weekend. No, well, against Torino in that 7-0, I think they had 24 shots. Against Genoa in this 2-2, they had 23 shots. It didn't seem like it, but they just, they shoot so much. It's ridiculous. It actually is ridiculous. Duvan Zapata made a big difference because he got us two assists. The flick on for Toloi's goal and then obviously the low cross for Illichic's. And I know he's not quite smashing goals in left, right and centre, but I still think his return is quite important for this team. But Kev, this type of result, I kind of joked about it, but it is a result that Atalanta are and have proven to be so capable of producing. We saw it with the defeat against Spal two weeks ago as well. Is this the type of thing that could cost them? Or are they going to benefit from the fact that Roma seem just as capable of doing something similar? I think if they don't, if they don't get fourth when the season ends, this can only be looked at as a, as a result that's cost them because of, of who it is. You know, you know, if, ignoring the name for a moment that makes Vito's face light up when he gets to talk uh, talk down of them. But, you know, any side that's in the bottom three, if you're looking for Champions League and you're at home, you know, let's remember that they were they were in Bergamo. Um, 
this should be three points and any of those uh, lost points from games that sort of fit that criteria are going to be the ones that are going to cost them. Yeah, well, they've they've been disappointing at home this season. When they play the big teams, you kind of think, all right, Atalanta will show up. But when they've got the, the smaller teams, that's when they tend to to just have those little brain farts. In a couple of weeks, they've got Roma in Bergamo, which is going to be... It's going to be four each or something ridiculous. There's just going to be goals, goals, goals in that one. And I've no doubt that the players will show up for that one. But Andrea Maziello, okay? We need to have a discussion about Andrea Maziello because he left Atalanta a hero. He left. He's gone to Genoa. He played against Atalanta at the weekend and was given a a big applause by the whole stadium afterwards. He did a lap of honour. He was in tears. And he is absolutely lionised in Bergamo. He's a hero. They love him there. I love him as well. I think he's a phenomenal player. What he did with the club, I I spoke about on this podcast on a number of occasions during his time there. But we also alluded to the fact that it was amazing to see the turnaround in his career because given the the match-fixing case that hung over his head while he was at Barry, to now see him, he suffered... He, he served his time, he came back from his ban and he's gone on to build almost a second career. But Vito, a lot of people are still critical of Maziello as though he hasn't served his sentence. But given that he's, he's done his time and he's now rebuilding himself, surely it's fair juice, right? Uh, look, I think to a point there is a chance for people to redeem themselves and uh, Maziello certainly did that at uh, Atalanta but uh, yeah that was one of the things I found surprising when there was reports of him leaving Atalanta there were quite a few people that were willing to sort of take swap of his character or there was a stigma placed upon him because of what he had done in the past I uh, suppose that was probably one of the things that put him off uh, from other clubs from signing him uh, Sampdoria were one team looking at him, but from what I saw on some fan sites and other news sites related to the Luciarchiati, that they didn't want him because of what he did. So Genoa took him on. He should add valuable experience to the Grifone defence. But uh, yeah, based on his time at Atalanta, I think for you and any other Ladeo supporter, there's always going to be this positive effect or affection regarding him because of what he'd done, because of his solid defence displays and also with how he was able to get forward and chip in with the odd goal. He's part of this recent rise Atalanta had from or had under Gasparini. So, unfortunately, with match-fixing situations, a lot of players are going to be remembered for that. And uh, he's not the only one because Bruno Giordano, who was a strike in the 70s and 80s, he played for Napoli in the 1987 with Diego Maradona and scored a handful of goals. But uh, what some people remember, and my father in particular, remembered how he threw his career away after being a uh, star striker for Lazio and being involved in the 1980 Totonero scandal. And that was a blight on his career. So sadly, a lot of these stigmas remain. But I think those who were able to witness uh, Maciel, especially Atalanta, I think they're going to brush that aside and... Uh, unfortunately, I don't think a lot of others would be that eagle would hold Marcial in such a high regard. 
What do you reckon, Kev? I, I find that a lot of people aren't willing to give second chances to anyone in any context <laughs> currently. If you say something, you must live and stand by that for the rest of your life. But people make mistakes, right? And people can come back from those mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. I think the only way you learn in life is through mistakes. You know, I've certainly made plenty myself. But, you know, and also you've got to maybe allow for the fact that he was somewhat younger and probably still looking like he does now in his 40s. But, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, but, but, but he was <laughs> he, he was somewhat he was somewhat younger. And you've also got to give uh, him credit. It was what, 26 month ban he got. It's certainly a substantial length of time. And after something like that, where your name's being dragged through the papers and everything, or, you know, through the mud, it's to keep um, or remain driven, you know, to then proceed with your, uh, your career. And when you eventually do come back, no doubt there would have been fans taunting him from the sidelines. So, um, yeah, I think he, he, he deserves um, an element of praise for that after doing something very stupid. Yeah, for sure. Um, not to take away from the fact that it was a very stupid act. But the own goal, Kev, the own goal he scored for Barry, it was very funny. Now that we're far enough removed from the situation, it was a very, very well acted out own goal. Yeah, because, you know, I've seen I've seen defenders that haven't thrown games that have made a more impressive uh, attempt. We're talking about Chiro Mobley's goal today, the one earlier in the season where the Napoli, was it the Napoli? Anyway, whichever defender it was, thumped the ball into the net from a yard Mm. out. De Laurentiis, Uh, I think, couldn't it? Yeah, so, you know, much more impressive than Matiello (laughs) just falling over and almost just guiding it into the net. Um, He made it look very, very believable. Mm. Andrea Maziello, I will always love you. But anyway, the wall has left Bergamo. Sassuolo beat Roma 4-2. This is the type of thing that Sassuolo can do. And this is why I get so frustrated about them. Because they don't do it often enough. When you see Caputo, Berardi, Boga, uh, Juricic this week, Traore, others, combining like this, you just think, why can't they do that more often? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, it's uh, puzzling. It's just one of those things with Sassuolo. They're good on their day, but uh, they're often others. That being said, also Roma, they have this habit of uh, capitulating in games too, but... I think this time, I think Sassuolo deserved to be praised more than Roma being criticised. Traore didn't feature in this game, but usually he's a dangerous threat for them. But uh, Filip Juricic was a player that had a good game, as well as Berardi, Bogan, Caputo. And then also Manuel Locatelli, I think, had one of his uh, best games for Sassuolo. He was involved in at least one of the goals, and he also made a good uh, goal line clearance too. He always had uh, this way of also winning the ball back too. So uh, rather a complete performance from him in midfield. And uh, it's good to see Sassuolo show what they can do on a good day. But if they were more consistent, surely they would be at least mid-table, if not a smoky for the Europa League spots. Because they are good to watch when they do make things click. With Boga, they've got one of the most exciting wingers in Serie A. And with Caputo, they've got one of the most clinical centre-forwards in Serie A. Kev, do you reckon the whole the atmosphere thing comes into play here? Because Sassuolo is a village of, I think, 10,000 people in Modena. But Sassuolo play in a different province in Reggio Emilia, in a stadium that holds more people than live in the in the village or maybe it's 20,000 that live there or something like that but it's not big anyway and the fact that they play away from their their province they don't get fans so on any given week if you see anyone in the top half of Serie A play in Reggio Emilia the away team have more fans there just because of locals as well of traveling supporters than Sassuolo do so Away goals are cheered louder than home goals, and it's a, it's a very bizarre atmosphere. Does that play into things? Because Sassuolo players must be then almost playing every game like it's a preseason friendly or something. No, I think there is um, there's quite a lot to sort of read into that. They have this almost inconsistent nature where they can shine or you know equally fall flat. And maybe that's because there is no real pressure there. There's no sort of fervent home crowd to make the pressure on. So, you know, you sometimes get teams that will have sort of a nervous performance. It's almost they can just go out, play their game. And if they're playing well, they'll they'll turn Roma over 4-2 or they'll equally go and lose 3-0 or, you know, be a free free draw. And it's almost not Sunday league from quality, but Sunday league from pressure. You know, they can just go out and play the game with, with, with little riding on it. It would be interesting if they really, really got dragged into a, you know, a really poor start of the season and had a relegation battle, whether they would then sort of dig in. I think they'd sink like a stone. There'd be, there'd be nothing there driving them on, like you say. The Derby might get the boot 
if they ended up in that situation and especially with what has happened behind the scenes there with um with Squinzy passing away and he was the life and soul of that club as well. so I'm quite intrigued to see what actually happens with Sassuolo after this summer because I've heard a few things that don't exactly bode well for the club so a lot of people from Parma in the area went down there when when Parma went bust and a lot of people who did that are now looking for jobs back up here again and it just seems like things might be um concerning down there but I don't know anyway so Swallow I quite like them for what they are next up Cagliari Parma no 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 we're not finished with Roma what am I doing um Edin Dzeko Kev he scored 100 Roma goals it's not bad no I think when he left uh, the UK, I think people thought, not that he was going a bit like Ashley Young when they say he's going to retire in Italy, but he's been around so long, even his time in the Bundesliga. I think everybody thought he was older than he was. And, you know, there was talk uh, maybe in the summer uh, of him maybe going back to, to England when some people were sniffing around. And you're not surprised why when, you know, he's still got this goal scoring uh, I know he takes penalties, but to score at this rate now for, for Roma over the seasons he's been there, I think is a phenomenal achievement. I think he just goes about his business with a a sort of quiet efficiency. And I know he does take uh, penalties for Roma, that, that it should be lauded for what he's done in the time he's been there. Yeah, I also thought Roma were quite obviously missing Amadou Diawara in midfield. His presence was most felt in his absence. And you would just hope for their sake that he can come back as, as soon as possible and sort things out and plug things in in midfield because they haven't got another player like him. Chris Dante was trying to play that role, but that is not what he does. I keep going back to Chris Dante when he was at Atalanta, but he was almost a striker there. So Did you when, see him fall over? Yeah, I did see him fall over, but it wasn't surprising. I mean, he's not exactly a fine technical specimen of a player. And the other week here in Parma in the Coppa, he was playing at centre-back in a three. And I was losing my mind trying to work out what was happening. But anyway, Cagliari Parma, 2-2. Vito, it's fair enough, right? They've been inseparable all season. And when they met, inseparable. It was probably a fair reflection of the game, to be honest. Cagliari, I thought, were quite wasteful. Uh, although Giovanni Simeone got plaudits for scoring the goal and he got high ratings from both Tutu Mercato Web and La Gazzetta, I thought he should have scored more chances. But both teams in general, I thought, had enough to add to the score as well. Um, so Coyote, yeah, they probably could have won themselves. But even Parma, uh, it seemed like Kurai Kutska was probably the one that was going to do all the scoring for Parma because... He took quite a lot of shots. I think he probably had five or six chances overall, and he managed to score the one goal late in the first half. And then uh, for Coyote, uh, Nahit Hernandez had about a chance or to himself to kill the game off. But uh, this Parma team, they're, they're well drilled under Roberto da Versa, and uh, they managed to get the point at the death. And uh, they're not a team that people should really write off. No, they're not. I, I wrote about them after they beat... Who did they beat last week? I can't remember. But they, uh, Udinese. They beat Udinese 2-0. And I was so impressed with them that I wrote that they're actual European contenders. I mean, they, they really are. I've been quite impressed by them this season. But anyway, 
Moving on, Kev, um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic drew 1-1 with Hellas. No, sorry, AC Milan without Zlatan Ibrahimovic drew 1-1 with Hellas Verona, showing that they're a little bit dependent on their 38-year-old Swedish striker. Um, yeah, a little bit dependent on him, a little bit just not very good still, regardless of his arrival. <laughs> Don't say that. Don't say No, Kev, seriously. Well... Come on, you need to be serious. We can't. We can't say things like that about Milan. They get very I'm afraid, sensitive. I'm afraid it's the truth. But Admittedly, Kev. I must admit, when I saw the result, no, no, they're, they're, they, are, Kev. they are bang Kev. average. No, Kev. Kev. They've got, they've got Zlatan. They're, they're a, a top, top quality team. And I won't have you say anything else about AC Milan, Kev. Could you be going to Milan at the weekend? No, I'll, I'll say what you want about oh. them. I just, I just don't want my name associated with it this week. Yeah, no, no, they're just bang average. But then I did uh, when I was watching the, uh, watching the highlights. I forgot how well Hellas had played, uh, or Verona, Hellas Verona had played when, when I went down there and watched them beat Fiorentina. And actually, they're not a bad side. But, but again, it's because they're playing a bang average. Milan side that were lucky to get away with a point because Chalanoglu's free kick took a Who? huge defection. Chalanoglu. Ch- 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 <laughs> I can never do that one. Hakan. Let's go Hakan. There's somebody else I struggle with, but anyway, that will come back to me. I struggle with most of them, to be honest with you. Um, so I, should, I shouldn't have followed you up on that. I get names wrong every week, but it's just funny, isn't it? It's not Chal- even one you have written down in front of you and get correctly. But it's not There's that... too many strange letters or st- silent letters. Is it that difficult, though, Chalonoglu? Oh, I it's don't not, know. I, it's, I not worst. it's not the worst. Uh, no, this week I'm at Fiorentina Atalanta, maybe, and Parma Lazio. So Milan can do what they want or say what they want. But it's, it's more their fans. They're just... There's, there's not a fan base in Italy that I particularly dislike. Okay. Well, there is actually um, Lazio and Elas Verona. They're ultras in particular. But in terms of online fans, Milan Twitter is the worst place in the world. I, I make no apologies for that. But Vito, what do you make, make of it? That they're over-dependent on a 38-year-old striker who's coming back from playing in America? Uh, I think it's very clear to say that. I think it's there to see. Um, they had uh, Ante Rebic and Rafael Leal as the two strikers. And one particular chance fell to Leal in stoppage time where the ball bounced in front of him and he tried to control it down, but then uh, the ball got taken off him. He was dispossessed. In moments like that, you just got to shoot first time and bang, Milan would have won it. But um goes to show that they do lack a leader without Ibrahimovic. And when he's around, he does cover up the problems. He can uh, be that guy that can finish the game or win the game. Um, he has that experience and that quality. And without him, they've gone back to the recent selves. You know, they just looked rather lost and devoid of confidence. And uh, Hellas Verona really should have won this game because uh, uh, Pessina hit the post and there was uh, another chance. Uh, it doesn't spring to mind now. It's lost me. But there was another player that hit the post with a shot. I think it might have been Zakani or Zakani had been involved in the build-up. So 
on another day, probably should have been at least 3-1 to Hellas Verona. And also with Amrabat being sent up for showing his studs on uh, Castillejo, um, I think that changed the momentum a bit. And uh, Milan created chances after that. But when uh, you need an opposition to go down to 10 men to look dangerous, that's not a good sign at all. No, it's not. Bologna beat Brescia 2-1. Brescia are getting relegated. They're going back to Serie B. And Lecce beat Torino, Kev, 4-0. Are Torino okay? They've conceded 11 goals in two games. Mazzari, I mean, he's on his way, isn't he? I was about to say, I don't think Mazzari's uh, very well, but Torino in an absolute awful state. It's just the contrast to how well they were defending last year with almost the exact same defensive unit. And maybe there's, you know, a head of defensive unit. Maybe they're not they're not doing the work in front of them at midfield and even maybe in attack, although Pelotti always seems to be uh, everywhere when he plays. But he doesn't have an, um, a really long, long shelf life uh, at clubs. And you maybe wonder whether he'll get pushed before the end of the campaign at this rate. We saw one of the three no big boys come out after the game and said, these defeats are bad for everyone, so we have to think about everything. The attitude seen on the pitch is not what we expect. We've seen a resigned team, and this is the worst thing ever. We have to do a 360-degree reflection. Doesn't bode well, Vito, you'd imagine, for, for Walter. Not, uh, not at all. So... It's uh, there are reports suggesting that uh, he could be he could be replaced, and uh, the former Frosinone coach Moreno Longo, who used to coach the Torino Primavera, I must add, could be his replacement. But it looks like Torino they just want to get this season out of the way, and we've only just crossed the halfway line. So it doesn't say much about Granata's ambitions or even the long term plans. And now that they are like this, and it's a big contrast to what they were 12 months ago because they did have such a strong backline. But, um, you know, it's always suspended for this game, but he was shocking last week anyway. And uh, Emilio Moretti retiring, sorry, um, that has not helped their cause either because he brought valuable experience to that backline. We done? I think we're done. Oh, well, I'll just say, although they conceded four, there were some lovely goals in there. Anybody that hasn't seen the highlights should go and catch them. Particularly the third to last from... Oh, the third to, to, so the the second, third to last. Yeah. yeah, the third goal. The third goal, sorry. Okay. Yeah. That was <laughs> an impressive strike. Uh, Saponara with the pass on his Lecce debut. Yeah, provided to us. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ricardo Saponara has gone to Lecce. Yes, yeah. I'll miss that. Yeah. That is such a lovely fit. You've it, Ricardo Sapanara living in Puglia. He's gonna get so fat. He's gonna yeah. Get... Well, well, I think you should take inspiration from uh, another ex Sampdoria player and also a Pugliese, Antonio Cassano. I mean, uh, uh, as we've covered, he's fond of the treats. Yeah, that, although I'm not sure how Cassano would be with him playing for Lecce and not Barry. But... No, he's Barry, is he? Yeah, he is, isn't he? And yeah. I don't know. But still, same region. 
Yeah, but they don't exactly like each other. No, yeah. they don't. They hate yeah. each other. They're like Calabria. Hutton's yeah. home. Basically, the rule is if there's a city near you, you hate them. And mm. if not, you, you should. <laughs> just the way it goes. Oh, I'm just... I Sapanada is going to have a lovely time down there. Once March hits, he's just going to be on the beach. That's going to be next great. Month we can have, next week, we can have Sapanara Weight Watch. Yeah, well, <laughs> this is watch this space. Watch Ricardo Sapanara's weight as the season goes on. It's currently 10 degrees in Lecce. Tomorrow, it's going to be 18 degrees during the daytime. So it's not quite beach weather, but he won't be walking around in a scarf and hat. Let me put it that way. Whereas in Genoa, he might have been. Ah, it's good news for Ricardo. I'm happy for him. Might follow him down. Live in Lecce. It'll be a lovely little life. But anyway, um, let's end this, shall we? Shall we go home? Shall we go to bed? Why not? Why not? Why not? Um, yeah, anyway, head over to ForzItalianFootball.com. As always, do the usual bits, read the usual things. Is the team of the week sorted? Oh, I'll have to add the finishing touches uh, once we finish this pod. Gaston Ramirez. Gaston Ramirez, player of the week, Kev, yeah? Uh, yeah, why not? <laughs> who, who is player of the week? Um, I think it's probably Lukaku. Really? Well, I was going to go Caputo, but yeah, Lukaku's goals arguably mean more for Inter. Give than... it, give it, Chicho. Or if you're giving it to an Inter player, it's got to be Brozovic. Come on. Mm. Mm. I'll, I'll decide in the morning. It'll be written by the time you wake up. You're such a, yeah, Lukaku won't be waking up until ten o'clock. But all right, bye. Bye bye. Ciao ciao. Portaci dove vuoi, verso le tue conquiste, dove tu arriverai, sarà la storia di tutti noi, solo chi corre può fare di te la squadra che sei.
per sempre sarà Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.